Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the Colorado Hunting Hub Podcast, where we cover hunting in the West, but mostly hunting in the destination state of Colorado. You'll find information that will help you plan, prepare, and motivate you for your hunt, but also keep you updated on happenings in the Western hunting world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colorado Hunting Hub. I've got an episode today with my buddy Bruce, who... Uh, was with Whitetail Rendezvous podcast and the gentleman that got me started with podcasting. And so uh, got to meet him through some mutual friends and we'll tell that story. But uh, we'll jump right into that about some prairie deer hunting. That's our our focus today and some tactics, things to think about. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about eastern Colorado, but this applies to quite a few states uh, that are still out west here thinking about that open prairie open rangeland egg fields where there's not a lot of cover how we're hunting white-tailed mule deer in this kind of country so uh before we get to that i want to thank you listeners again for all your continued support uh even trying a couple different things here in the new year we're going to do a kickoff of uh some new stuff but not telling you any more than that Um, may include an opportunity here for some advertising space. So if you own a company that does something that's nationwide, then uh, get a hold of me. We've got some advertising space, pretty simple and cheap, uh, five, ten bucks, ten bucks, five to twenty bucks an episode. I don't know, we'll work a deal. So not too, too spendy for advertising space at all. And we've got hunters across the country that are going to hear this. And we are coming up on 10,000 downloads since April. So I appreciate all you listeners as we reach that 10,000 mark. I think this episode will do it. Uh, that's kind of a, a nice nice uh, milestone. I remember 
first day I published an episode and I watched my first download hit, my second, my third, my fourth, the fifth, up to 10. And I was jacked texting uh, some of those close people in my life that I was telling that I was doing this thing. And seeing those first downloads was kind of a, a fun thing. Now seeing 10,000 is great. And I'm, I'm excited to see that 100,000 next time. Because uh, that's a big number. And we're going to hit that at some point. Dre and I have some goals and some ambitions. And we're going to continue to bring you some really good content. So thank you listeners for all that support. Reach out to us if you need anything. Got questions, comments, or ideas. We want to hear them. And uh, that info is is below along with uh, some of our other uh, partnerships and things we got going on you can see that info below and some discount discount codes so here's our interview with bruce all right bruce thanks for jumping on the podcast you originally were the guy that helped me get this thing started and 54 55 episodes later uh finally got you on and uh well i'll tell you tell everybody how we got introduced but first off let's hear who you are introduce yourself who you are and and uh i like to hear what hunch you got going on my name is bruce hutchin some of you might know me from what my whitetail rendezvous days when they had a very successful podcast of um closed uh a year ago um, we shut it down because unfortunately we weren't uh, monetizing it for a lot of different reasons and that's okay and then in January, oh, with Whitetail Rendezvous, I had over half a million downloads. I had over 700 uh, guests, and uh, it was a great, great journey and met some great people. So if you're into podcasting people, um, do it because you love it, not because you can make some money. Yes, some people do make money at it, but they're few and far between, in my opinion. So in January, a good friend of mine, Wisconsin, John O'Brien, who owns Grandpa Ray Outdoors, um, a great um food plot uh educator he goes around the country every winter and educates people about food plots and he also sells seed and so he calls me up and out of the balloon said you, i want to sponsor a new podcast i said john it's going to cost 100 bucks 100 bucks a month i won't do them for anything less he said okay fine and so he sponsored i think we had 40 or 50 shows and i just stopped that because i'm hunting now and um I just stopped that, you know, because I'm saying, you know, it's, I'm 74 years old and um, there's other things I want to do that are more important. I want to write and, and I have one book on Amazon, Hunting with the Experts. I have another one business book called 100 to 100, both on Amazon. And um, so I've got some other things in the works that, um, still are going to be in the outdoors. I am a voting member of POMA, Professional Outdoor Media Association, which I recommend. If you're going to be in media, you need to be a member of POMA. So there's a shout out for POMA. But having said all that, um, I'm 74 years old. I get an MDA. I've worked 26, 30 years and retired about 10, 15 years ago. And all that time, my only passion simply was hunting and fly fishing i've been fortunate to go from ungaba bay which is a thousand miles north of montreal all the way out to bristol bay and all the provinces in between and and i'm very fortunate and no i'm a working guy just like the rest of us i'm not a millionaire um 
I guess in my lifetime, I made a couple million bucks. But I sure as heck, raising two kids and living. It's gone. <laughs> that didn't last long. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. But my, my one thing in my introduction, I would say, if, if you are passionate about something, my passion and Clint's passion is hunting and, and my other passion is fly fishing. And if you're passionate about it, figure out how to do it because – when I look back, I just lost a 40 year old friend to cancer. And one of his last conversations with me is he said, I just wish I had more time. And I just wish I had done more with the time I had. Hmm. That's good advice. And that, that's something that I, I focused on. And the reason why I started this podcast was just to have some fun. And I, I've said it a couple times in this podcast, ain't making any money doing it. That's for sure. It's just, I, I'm an educator and, and whether you were, your field was not, and what you did for a career was not educator, but you're an educator. You are an educator and how you've gone about uh, sharing your passion in the outdoors and, and what you've done with your writing. So thanks for plugging your books. I didn't know, I didn't know those were existed. So uh, that's, uh, that's a, we'll have to check those out. And you and I met through a mutual friend. I got a, a wonderful couple friend, uh, TJ and Jackie Gusini. Just got off the phone, actually, with TJ a second ago. But uh, Jackie won the Extreme Hunters competition, and uh, you guys have probably met through POMA, I would assume. Uh, yeah, we met through POMA, and we met through um, I interviewed and had all the extreme hunters and the ultimate stream hunters uh, on my podcast during the years and, you know, help promote um, that worthwhile um, event because it, it promotes women in the sports. And, and Jackie is unbelievable. You know, folks, if you don't know her, friend her on Facebook and, and she's an unbelievable lady. She works for Exxon and she's, you know, she's down in Texas now, but they still have a home up in Silt. Um, but the she, biggest thing, you know, they are, everybody with extreme hunters was extremely, extremely uh, high ambassadors for women in the outdoors. She, uh, you can probably find her at, uh, Bo Crazy with Jackie is, is I think, her handle. And I, I they had us over just the other night. She made uh, some crawfish etouffee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I know you, you've probably had a meal at her house or two. And oh, my. Or two. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – I had it on an omelet yesterday morning, and I'm going to have it tonight, some leftovers. It's good. So – um, yeah. And, and so we met, we were, uh, you were out West, Western Colorado here, archery elk hunting and with a buddy and, uh, we were checking on a, a spot and I just happened to be there with them. So, uh, as we were standing there, not looking at any elk that we could shoot at, we, uh, uh, just started chatting a little bit and that was pre podcast. I was, uh, in my position now still with outdoor education. And we started talking a little around that and, and then, uh, hit the pandemic. And then March, April, I was like, huh, I'm going to do a podcast. This is how I'm going to do my, my thing with the thing that I enjoy. It's just like you were sta saying, and you've been a, been a big help with that. I really, really appreciate 
those phone calls and, and guide me through some process. So I feel like we got a good start and things have been going, going well. Uh, we're just about to hit 10,000 downloads and Great. yeah. And, and we've been going since April. So, uh, again, yeah, not making any money doing it, but we're uh, having fun. And I just picked up a, uh, partner in this. Uh, she's a, a female hunting guide and I know the listeners know that already because we've been chatting about it and she's about ready to jump on and record, be a co-host with. So it's going to be uh, a fun, fun deal there to get a whole nother perspective and, uh, to bring in, a, a some female audience. Cause I don't know of another podcast that has a male and female a hunting podcast that has a male and female host that's going to bring in that kind of uh, those two different audiences. So I, I think that's a, going to be a good thing for the listeners. Yeah. I'm, just to throw that out, Metal Cowfield was also in the Extreme Huntress um, contest. And every once in a while, not as a full time, but she was a co host when we were um, getting women. And that's how, you know, I met just a lot of tremendous women. Lenny Oakley Barnes um, with um, the DC uh, organization and she's a world-class shooter. I met her um, just through Meadow and just a lot of, lot of uh, neat ladies. So that's a smart move. That's a really smart move for you to, you know, change up your demographics and, and pull from different areas. Right. So I kind of want to get into uh, the topic for what, what uh, I wanted to chat with you about. And that's, I picked up a tag on the eastern plains unit doesn't really matter i guess i don't want to draw too much attention to it but uh it was a on the leftover list but it was not on there for more than a minute and a half i would say it was me getting super lucky seeing the posting buying it it took three points to draw this this tag uh but i'm on the western slope i i'm having a hard time with with life going on getting over there to scout it uh it's prairie and agricultural fields is something new and i feel like a guy that's in connecticut coming out to colorado to hunt you have that complete blind no idea what you're getting into necessarily because he may have not have been here uh and, and so that's the that's the where my mind is at right now and this can get include those those whitetail mule deer hunts on the plains of eastern Colorado, western Nebraska, Kansas, the prairies of South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. It's all that open country, rangeland, mixed in with egg fields with uh, uh, lots of irrigation pivots. This unit is 10% public, and you shared some information with me. I appreciate that. I dug into those stats a little bit, so that was cool to see. And so where I'm at now, I got a tag. My initial research that I did was I called up the biologist that uh, I interviewed and on a previous episode and got the game warden's name in the area. So I called up the game warden. I had some specific questions, not just about trophy class, but around what kind of areas to target. Uh, and uh, so far what I got is dry creek beds and looking for that little bit of cover but there's big mule deer in this area. I've heard big whitetail. Uh, kind of excited about it. Now that I'm getting a little bit more more uh, information. And then the next thing I did you was should this... be excited. Oh I yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you should be excited. And so uh, I 
may have spent a couple hours when I was supposed to be doing some work and had on my big screen Google Earth set up and I had Onyx set up on the other screen because that you can't really see the topography when the topography only changes about 200 feet throughout the entire unit. Uh, it's tough to really see some of the topography. So I, I pulled up Google Earth and that was really, really helpful. And I was able to take a sort of area that the game warden told me about uh, and around there and find some pieces of public land that are all walk-in areas. And then there's the state trust lands, which are brand new this year. A bunch of those that are open uh, because of that opening of state trust lands. And they were kind of just open them up for this uh, starting this year. And so that, some of those are new and even still showing on Onyx that there's no public access. So I've looked those areas up on the Colorado Parks and Wildlife maps uh, that they have published on their website. So that's been uh, a big help because there's a few chunks of thousand acres there that I can I can go play on. And, and so that's where I'm at and trying to figure out, all right, when I get there, what am I doing next? <laughs> Uh, what kind of game plan should I have? It's it's gonna be a tight schedule. I'm I'm totally gonna be a weekend hunter. Uh, there's only 36 tags in the unit, so pressure shouldn't be too terrible unless there's, you know, uh, that's including landowner tags. So that's uh, it shouldn't be too bad. I, I may run into some other folks, but not too many. Uh, what do you got for me? What what else should I do? And and then we'll talk strategies. Well, I did. I think I sent you um, the unit from Go Hunt. And just folks, um, some of my expertise uh, when Go Hunt got started, I don't know how many, 10 years ago, whenever, I wrote over 200 profiles for Colorado. I've lived in Colorado since 85, and I've hunted a lot of units for deer, for elk, for sheep, for mountain goats, and. Uh, elk and, and whitetails anyway and so with that knowledge i shared uh, with clint and the biggest thing i want to say is i don't care if you're in bangor maine and want to come out west hunting and can get a tag and can get out here you can do a tremendous amount of scouting as clint already has by using the tools you have to buy the tools google earth is free but onyx isn't free um go hunt insider isn't free um eastern i think uh not eastern eastman's um they're not free but if you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars getting out here invest in in getting to know your territory because it'll show you where these deer are going to be because i can go on google earth and I can marry that up with Onyx, and I can tell you with 80% certainty where you're going to find deer. And how do I do that? Well, it's real simple. They need food, they need water, and they need cover. And you're looking out, and I'm looking, I can see over 100 miles right where I'm sitting on this ridge. I can see Twin Peaks down south, and I can see to the ridge to the west so twin peaks is 100 miles and i can see at least 30 40 miles to the west out to the prairie the deer like contours and like 
small depressions. It doesn't have to be a gorge or a royal. Um, it's just small depressions. That's their travel corridors. Okay, they like food. Food's easy to figure out. If there's a pivot out there, it's probably on private land. You're probably not going to get into it. But where do the deer lay up before they go on the pivot? That's what you're going to find out. It's a chess game. And a lot of those walk-in areas include, they don't include the pivot, the field, but the prairie around it. That's a lot. There you go. Yeah, a lot of those areas. And so in that, you look for the fence row, you look for clusters of sagebrush stack, you look for, you know, old broken down um, cottonwoods, any place there's any kind of cover, your chances of finding deer in there is good. Why? Because they like it. The older the deer, the better. Or like if you're hunting in Kansas, Nebraska, they get out in the sunflower seeds, just like Wisconsin deer get out in the cornfields, cornfields in Iowa, cornfields in Minnesota, and they stay in the cornfield. Why? Because you can't see them. And they get their food there. All they have to do is move to get water. And so you have to be, you have to think outside of the box because you're not hunting in your back 40. There ain't a tree around. If you can find drainages, then there's going to be some cottonwoods, and I guarantee you there's deer there. Now, how many other people are going to be hunting that? Okay, where's their entrance and exit going to where they're feeding? And so it becomes it becomes a puzzle. And I think it's fun because once you figure it out and get the that buck of your lifetime in your crosshairs and pull the trigger, you had to do a tremendous amount of work just to pull the trigger. Pulling the trigger is easy. It's finding them. And we're talking about world-class deer in eastern Colorado, I know places that charge eight to ten thousand dollars to hunt their ranches. That's how big a deer there are out there. Oh boy! And yeah, there just are. And the same deer, the same habitat is around those areas. And what the hardest thing for Clint or anybody coming to eastern Colorado? Okay, where do I go? And just don't go to the Arkansas River. Everybody knows it's the river. There's cover. There's deer there, but don't hunt that find all the small little areas state trust lands you know a thousand acres well i can't you know a thousand acres nothing out here well if it has the right food cover and water there'll be deer there guaranteed yeah i clicked and put waypoints on click on a couple of these i mean there there's one that's 400 acres there's one that's 200 acres 162 acres they're just small little little patches of a property and i don't know there's i got 25 of them so i'll be able to check in each one and and spend some time kind of probably a, a decent amount in the truck uh but i tried to find some of those uh find some of those high spots so that i can get into a little area and just glass and, and check out into those those dry creek beds and, and see something moving. And one thing you, you uh, shared with me on the, because this is a late season hunt, so it's December 1st to the 14th, 
one thing you can't get from Onyx on there is is some of these little little statements like like it says bucks often rut well into the season. Some bucks have broken antlers from fighting other bucks. Well, that's kind of a fun fun little detail, uh, but not super necessary. But the the first part is I I wasn't sure. I know I I watched a buck yesterday morning in my yard with his nose in a in a butt trying to trace chase that <laughs> that doe around. And so right now it's, I know the, the it's that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's going on, but I was like, well, December 1st to the 14th, what's going to be happening then? So, apparently, you know, they've seen some activity. They're not if maybe they've got maybe those does are coming back into cycle again and and they're getting that last little bit. I'm sure it won't be as hot and heavy as the uh the rut right now, but Looks like well, I still got a chance. It's not completely over, right? Because typically, mature does come into estrus first. Why? Because they're mature does, and then it trickles down so that thirty days from the first breeding, whenever that is, whatever that date is, and there is a date. Okay, thirty days from then, there's another cycle. And that's when the the um, yearlings of the year that mature or ovulate get bred. And the bucks know that. So really, the bucks never stop looking. They know there's a break. They know there's a lockdown period where they're breeding. Does that take 24 or 48 hours to recept a doe? That depends on your area. But then they get up and go find another doe. So we're talking about deer densities here. The the buck to doe density, the higher the buck ratio is the more broken horns you'll have because they're competing. The if you don't see a lot of bucks with broken horns, then you know there's plenty of does to go around. That's a good point. And I think it is in here, the buck to doe ratio, what you shared with me, forty one to hundred. So that's yeah. that's quite a bit. <laughs> so that makes yeah. sense. You got to watch for. I mean, not a big deal to have a broken tine here and there, but you just you, just, you hope for it not places, to happen. No, in some places, every single on some farms Midwest, every single buck will have a broken tine. My neighbor shot a, a gorgeous three one thirty. 140 and he lost five inches because one of his times was broken off that means to me that we have way too many does and it, it's too competitive we already knew that though we already knew that and yeah. that this was a mature deer three and a half year old deer and so all this comes back to saying okay what can i expect you know what will happen you know when i get out there the other thing and you mentioned it the best thing you can do, sun up and sun down, get to that high spot and look over and glass with the best glass you got and look for deer that evening and look for does. Okay, if you find does, you're probably going to find bucks. Unfortunately, whitetails will stay in, a, in an area. Mule deer, not so much because they're, they're travelers. Yeah. 
And so you have to remember that if you see, oh, he's on this thousand acre and, you know, he's with that doe and stuff, you come back tomorrow and he might be five miles away because mm-hmm. he took care of business and he, he's off. Well, that was going to be my next question is they're in an area that's mixed, a whitetail mule deer, and it sounds like a little bit more mule deer than the whitetail from what the, the officer told me. What uh, what different strategies would you go about in in this process or in, in your hunt? Because uh, I don't – hey, if I run into a 150-inch whitetail, I'm going to have a hard time passing that thing. <laughs> I'm going to – Shoot it. Yeah, shoot it. it's going to get shot. Shoot it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not passing a 100. <laughs> and uh, if, I'm going to have a – see a 150-inch whitetail, shoot it. If you – you know, there's – there's large deer out there. So there's Boone and Crockett class deer. If you see a 160, you go, and if it doesn't trip your trigger, don't shoot it. You see a 170, he's gnarly, and said, I want that on my wall, then shoot it. I mean, it's your hunt. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm not, my biggest mule deer is 160 inch, and I mounted him because he's gorgeous. He's dark. He's got character kickers and bladed broad, uh, bladed uh, brow tines. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous buck, and it was a fun, fun hunt. And I don't have a good whitetail, so yeah. I, I so should. So one fifty, you know, I don't, you know, and you might say, oh, there's big ones out here. I saw all oh, that one I saw last night was bigger than this one. Um, I'd still shoot to one fifty because yeah. you're in the time crunch too. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that my binocular glass is great. My spotting scope glass not so great. So that that will be a detriment to try and Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Save <laughs> your uh, money. That's uh, the most important thing for Eastern Plains. And I'm going. I'm going Wednesday to to Gunnison Basin, and you know I got a Vortex HD Razor, whatever the best I could afford, because that makes the difference. Oh, if it you're does. Looking for really big deer, it does. You know, yeah. and that makes the difference. I I've made a little rule for myself though, not to let my wife in on the cost of of optics because she has no idea and it's well it's 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 an investment and i read something the other day oh what the heck was it i was reading the sheep magazine oh um what's his name oh uh, well-known author written a lot and and he was told early on that good optics cost you nothing because Bad optics could cost you the hunt of a lifetime. Craig Boddington wrote that. He wrote that. And he said, he said, and he got it from somebody else. And I don't, I can't quote the person he got it from, but that's what he said. He said, good optics cost you nothing. Good optics weigh nothing because without good optics, it could cost you a hunt of a lifetime. And I got, I got an email out to Vortex. I'm just hoping hoping we can work a deal <laughs> and uh chat with them a little bit trying to get a yeah, they're pretty good they're pretty good but you know it's just you know you just have to yeah try to work your deals yeah um and so all right we got some animals spotted let's say we we've got them in the creek bed i mean we're out a thousand yards two thousand yards, or whatever a long way yeah morning. yeah yep yeah. morning hunt we've got some spotted um okay. kind of just Mule milling around like it. It. Uh, mule deer, because that's that's okay. what I'd really like. I'd love a one seventy 
plus mule deer. And that's what it says trophy potential in that area. I'd say 160 plus is trophy potential, but uh, for me, <laughs> but they, um, let's say we got some mule deer spotted in a dry creek bed uh, or a fence line. In that open country, what's my approach? How many other trucks are around you? None. Got it to myself. Okay. Where's the wind? Uh, we're going from the west. Wind's blowing from the west. Okay. And we're coming in from the south. Okay. Where's the, the sun? The access is to the south. Uh, it's morning, so rising in the east. Okay. So you're kind of, to see them, are you looking to the sun or are they looking? I'm looking north. So uh, might Side. have, yeah, we'll say. Uh, yeah, we'll say we're kind of kind of looking north north at them. Okay, because sun sun's important. Okay, one you want sun in your favor, so you want the wind on your nose and the sun at your back as best you can. Okay, you want to have knee pads on just because cactus hurts. You want to have leather gloves on because cactus hurts, and you want to be able to you know belly crawl if you have to you want to use all the topography you have so they can't see you you know you use the terrain and you might have to crawl and that's okay but you use your terrain to get you into the shootable i don't know can you shoot 300 400 yards 500 yards i would like to be under 400 okay so 400 yards or under, so you get your range finder. You know how close you have to be because you've seen the deer. He's a shooter. Now you come back and say, okay, where's 400 yards? Where do I have to get to? Okay, it's that clump of sage. It's that fence post. It's that whatever. And say, that's my goal. Now I have to figure out how to get there undetected. And the other thing is, is he going to move or is it, or is he just chasing, hanging with the does and having a great time? And so, you know, you get a lot of variables. So you have to put all those things and figure out, okay, what's my best approach? And if he bails, which way is he going to go? Okay. Okay, because if for whatever reason he's going to bail, is he going to go away from you? Is he going to go um, to the west? Is he going to go to the east? Is he going to come at you? I don't know. So you have to figure, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to figure out to figure, okay, if, if this doesn't work so good, which way is he going to meander up this giant creek bed? Okay, or which way is he going to go towards getting away from me? You know, and you got to try to figure that out. So if he starts to lead, then you already got your secondary plan, how to loop on him, keeping the wind, you know, in your favor and just do a huge loop until he crosses a fence line. Okay. So here's what I got. But you have to figure in also. Right. Right. So, so far I got, um, in that scenario, I'm looking at a little piece right now. Uh, just got a little dry Creek bed going through. It's, uh, two sections and uh the access i looked at it was like well it's got two county roads bordering it on the west and on the south so in that situation i probably wouldn't want to access from the south in there with that wind would then be in my face the sun would be at my back 
and yeah, access it that way. Glass and glass and crawl up that fence line, glass into the creek bed, and uh, okay, I think I could do that. You know, just trying to figure out that that's a, a different way of thinking, or a th- way I didn't think about it is the. I guess I've thought about the the sun about antelope hunting. Why would I not do it here? It's the same same concept. Yeah, same concept. You know, and you're wide open prairie, and you're hunting mule deer and whitetail in wide open prairie. You're hunting just like same similar techniques to antelope, except antelope typically they just run. I mean, yeah, you know, they they just run away. Deer may or may not do that. Mule deer bucks will will jump they'll start away and they'll get to a ridge and they'll look back boom yeah more mule deer died that way. <laughs> yeah no kidding so i no, have no. i have also found a couple of little tree belts cover whatever it is all it's got to be is about three foot high and there's there's cover there um yep i don't i can't tell the height of any of this vegetation but some of it there's some there in a creek bed and then um that I did see a couple of little shelter belts. Um, but what, what might be a mule deer's activity throughout the day from beginning of the day to the end and, and going from that, where's his movement from the egg fields to the cover to what are you thinking? Well, I would, if I found some shelter belts, I'd get up there and I glass and see, okay, is probably I'm thinking, that's that's a great bedding area so okay how's he coming in and how's he coming out where's he feeding and just don't even go in the shelter belt and and jump them just sit where you can be undetected by the wind and just sit there even if you have to sit there all day if you know he's in there and you can see 360 around that shelter belt there's no way he can get out without you seeing him then i'm sitting there if he's a shooter right Okay. Yeah, just trying to play so many different scenarios in my head of and yeah, scrolling so around would, Onyx trying to look at a piece and yeah, and and you just gotta be smart. I want remember one buck I shot in um, long time ago. I heard, in the dark I heard them fighting in this aspen grove, and it wasn't that big of aspen grove, and it wasn't that far from the trailhead, and I heard them fighting, and I went. Those are two bucks fighting. So I got up and I got downwind from them and I sat there all day to the night. Hmm. And one marked out. I don't know where the other one went, but one marked out and I shot him. But I sat there all day and people were walking by, blah, 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 blah. And I just sat there because I knew they were there. Right. And so I just sat, waited. He stood up, gave me a shot, end game. Hmm. But that was patience. Rather than say, "Oh, I'm going to see if I can jump and get in there," I didn't need to. They they had been fighting. They they weren't colossal deer. Didn't matter. <laughs> I yeah. was shooting new deer. Yeah, it didn't matter. Well, that'd be a cool scenario. So yeah. then, my next challenge is figuring out exactly which type of terrain to focus on. We've got this state trust land that's open open with <laughs> a little bit of that rolling hills in there dry creek beds and they could be hiding pretty well and then you've got the irrigation or the the irrigation pivots and the egg land and uh some 
dry creek bed, some whatever fields, according to um, according to um, the go hunt, it looks like a variety of field crops of some sort: wheat grass, blue grandma, uh, grandma blue, buffalo grass, um, corn, alfalfa, milo, whatever it is. So looks like I got a variety of those those crops, and then I've got this open train. I mean, for I'm gonna show up there in the dark, <laughs> and that's gonna be the first I'm gonna be sitting on a one of these waypoints before I lay any eyes on this entire unit. And somebody's gonna call me an idiot for doing that, but that's all I got. No. That's my option. You got, you, I have you no be, other you option. Gotta on, you got to be on a ridge, right? Y- yeah, you got to be, be glassing. Okay. So do I choose glassing, and then you got to choose. Okay, look at the wind, look at the moon, look at the sun, look what time the sun's come up, all the stuff, figure out, okay, and then you say, okay, where am I going to start? Okay, I've got these options. You said you had 25 places. Okay, I've got option one. So you just plan it out. Okay, here's my plan. I'm going to go to this waypoint. This is where I'm going to glass because this is a pivot. This is good food. I expect to see does and and bucks eating and then moving x way away yeah that's what i would do i would go to the best food source that i can pre-identify and sit on that and see what happens okay that's what that's where i was leaning i'd I'd love to hit that open country a little bit more because there i'll actually be able to put some miles in if i need to but I get in yeah, that habit. Yeah, but you don't want of, to walk fifty miles. I know, and it's can, not necessary. It's not necessary. It's in this not country. necessary. Yeah, and I I take that back. Not twenty five. I got twenty five, or sorry, thirteen game plans, <laughs> thirteen okay. options. So, Good. Uh, yeah, thirteen different places. Some of them are are going to get a little higher on the list once I get to actually choose them. But yeah, like you said, I'll take. I'll take maybe half of those and say, all right, these are my options. And then let the, let the, trip really fall. Let the wind and the, the, yeah. uh, morning all, and night, all... I'm glad. Morning and night, I'm glassing. Yeah. Daylight okay. hours, I'm, I'm rolling. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm getting excited about it. I got another, you should. I got You're an... going to get a good deer. You're going to get a good deer. <laughs> I got another hunt in between now and then, archery hunt in South Dakota. And then uh, um, I know what you're dealing with today, so it's making me want to get out and just I probably need to go <laughs> shoot my rifle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm heading to range right now. Yeah, I, I will go shoot it and uh, double check and then i'll do we did an episode with cpw guy a gentleman that did uh, a lot of long range shooting schools and so i'll uh i'll be doing some some practice in the house with just dry firing and he, he said do yeah. that over and over and over again that's what i need to do um but i also need to be shooting my bow but oh well it's uh this is a it's been a pleasure talking with you clint and i look forward to you know to seeing the pictures yeah yeah, and you as well. I know you're off to a pretty good hunt. Make sure you send something. I, well, I'm going. I told the outfitter, I said, I'm going big or going home. He said, Really? I go, Yeah. I said, yeah. I have no desire if it's not, you know, a wall hanger. I ain't shooting it. There you go. There you go. But uh, I appreciate your time, Bruce. And uh, thank you. 
I hope the day goes better and you're sh- you're you're shooting <laughs> shooting. I'm gonna find out in about five minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. Hope your guns are shooting straight and uh, Ooh, no more boy. issues. And and I hope you have a great hunt. Okay.